This is Jordan. And welcome to Date Night at the Movies. Or How I Spent My Babysitter Money. This week, we're talking How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Uh, you've already messed us up, because this isn't called How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Oh. It's just called The Grinch. Oh. That's okay. We're going to keep going anyway. <laughs> Podcast <laughs> over. show's over. <laughs> Done. Okay, good. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> good night. Thank you, Detroit. So this is uh, this is the first episode of our like holiday movies. Yes, you, you, I know holidays. And we have both dogs of the podcast we in have here. Two dogs of the podcast, and he, here in Atlanta, it is cold. Yeah, he Charlie wants to be allowed outside, but he forgets that it's like forty <laughs> degrees outside. No, he's it's just, colder. It was thirty nine this afternoon. Well, there we go. But what he's just gonna, he's just going to get for our UK friends. I don't, I don't know cold. But he's just going to get mad that it's cold and want to come back in, and I just don't want to play that game all day that's fair yeah but uh for those of you who know jessica i'm sure you are surprised that we haven't done fantastic beasts yet and honestly we're a little surprised that we haven't done the fantastic beast episode yet too but uh that is coming we're just trying to work out something a little special for that one agreed agreed um this according to google uh it's 3.8 celsius okay so cold cool okay (laughs) okay Thanks, Chad. Um, so we did. We went and saw the Grinch, um, and very apropos, our drink of the podcast is hot chocolate. Yes, spiked with peppermint schnapps. Yes, and it is homemade hot chocolate. Um, if you leave us a recipe, everybody, or not recipe, <laughs> if you leave us a review. I'd be happy to give you my hot chocolate recipe. But on that note, if you guys have a recipe of like, dude, you need to do this on your podcast, I mean, we'll try it. So bring it. We'll try about everything. Yeah. Ooh, I got a big drink of chocolate. It was delicious. I'm so glad for you. Yes. So no, this the drink actually is very apropos for us because um, when we were living full time in Los Angeles... We always used to get uh, season passes to Universal because our last few houses were literally like two miles away from Universal Studios. Yeah, and it's uh, Universal Studios Hollywood is also really great if you live there to get season passes. The park isn't ginormous. It's a great visit if you're a tourist. I couldn't rec- and we're not sponsored by Universal. We're just huge fans. Yeah, you guys know how geeky we are, and we just talk about things that we like. Yeah. Yeah. And. Um, so it's a really great day, and it's not like Disney. Now, granted, I haven't been to Disney since I was five years old, so I have no recollection of Disney. I mean, going to Disney is an event. Right. Well, and Universal is too, well, but well, yeah. Universal City is the event, because you can, like, we used to go get, see movies, and used to get parking discounts, and we, we would were gold just, members. Yeah, we would just, uh, like, if we were going to go see a movie, and we had, like, a couple extra hours, we'd go to the park to be like, hey, let's go ride Jurassic Park or something like that, you know, or The Mummy. Uh, you oh, know, I love the mummy yeah. ride. And we like we're the we're the geeks that we would always like any chance we got, we would go on the backlot tour because I love the backlot. They did kind of make it a little lame though. They did make it lame, but my favorite part of the backlot is Hollywood history. Mm-hmm. But also, it was really fun to be able to point out, like, oh, I worked in that studio, I worked there, right? And so that's always fun. Um, but. Every Christmas, yes. uh, they would do Grinchmas, which yeah. they, they would kind of go back and forth on doing it like a huge event and just being, and then being just like decorations. Yeah. But the first year that we went to Grinchmas. Oh, it was so wonderful. Yeah. They had the tree lighting as like, you had to stand in line to get in it. Yeah. And it was like two or three tree lightings. Like it was 
Like, it, it was a really big deal. It was, like, 30 minutes long. Yeah, we went to the last one, and they, like, had snow machines and everything. And these were actual, like, ice machines, not just fake snow. Yes, I mean, it's very Hollywood. Yes. Yeah. It's Hollywood magic, for so, sure. So we we went, whenever we were standing in line, we were like, well, we're here, we have to do this, but it's still, like, a two-hour-long line. Yeah. So we went first, and we got spiked hot chocolate. Yeah, it was spiked with Baileys. Yes. Uh, actually, if we would have... if. If the store would have had Bailey's, that's what we would have been drinking tonight just yeah. for that. So Yeah. Um, so cheers to Grinchmas and some of the best holiday memories. Mm-hmm. Jordan and I um, very much do a Jewish Christmas. Um, we're not Jewish, by the way. No. Most people think we're Jewish because I guess we both kind of look Jewish. We both look Jewish. Um, I worked at the Jewish Federation for a few years. Um, but we do celebrate Hanukkah. Mm-hmm. We do recognize Hanukkah. Um, and so we very much do wish you all the start of a very happy holidays. Yeah, when and we say happy holidays, we genuinely mean happy holidays. We're not just being PC about it. No, we, <laughs> yeah. we really wish you all the best for whatever you celebrate. And Christmas, um, the older we get, Christmas just, you know, isn't a religious event. It is something... The end of the year for me, and which involves Christmas, and I guess it's what shaped it, is it's more about all these people that mean so much to me. And the the older you get, the world just flies by, and it's an opportunity to really make them feel important and special, and it's a really good reason to do that. So to me, the reason of the season is the people that you love, and um, uh, we, I don't know. I think this is such a magical time of year, and we celebrate up until January 6th, which is the 12th day of Christmas. Mm-hmm. So uh, we either gained a whole new audience or alienated half of our audience by talking about the religious aspects of the holiday season. Well, we didn't really touch religious, no, well, we but this movie did. No, well, that's a whole other conversation. Uh, we, we did, now, now all of our listeners worldwide know basically what we believe during the holiday season (laughs) (laughs) and well i've never had that happen before so let's this is a new chapter in jordan's life i suppose (laughs) um so so the grinch we need to rate this yeah how are we rating it this week um hmm i feel like hmm squeaky dog toys Squeaky dog toys. By the way, so I was going through and I was doing some computer maintenance uh-huh. today, and uh, I was looking for things to delete and just get off of there. And one of the things I found, I thought I'd lost it, was my uh, one of my projects from <gasps> when I went to SAE. Uh, I took a scene from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia <sighs> and wiped the audio, and Jessica and I redid everything. And it was the episode where they were trying to catch a serial killer, and they yes. were pretending to be serial killers. Oh my god, it's so good. What it, season is that? I think it's... It's like season four, I think. Okay, so it's uh, he's talking about it's always sunny in Philadelphia off of the uh, off of FX, mm-hmm. um, and the, oh, this uh, this episode. The episode is specifically called "Mac is a Serial Killer." So if you have any sort of Netflix, um, it, or it's on Hulu and FX. Hulu and FX. Yeah. So Hulu and FX. Watch this episode for nothing else and just imagine. But the reason I even bring that up is because in the episode, Dee is dressed like a killer clown. And every time she walks, her shoes squeak. So one thing we literally had to do when we were redoing that is we took one of Charlie's. Because we only had Charlie at the time. He wasn't even a year old, I don't think. No. Um, 
and uh, we took one of his squeak toys and we squeaked that along with all the footsteps. And I was playing it for some people at my house at our house one night. And uh, whenever it got to that point, Charlie recognized the squeak and went up the TV and was looking for his toy. He's like, where's my squeak toy? Yes. So so the reason that we're rating it in squeak toys is because Max the dog has something to do with squeak toys at, so, at a certain point in this movie. Yes. So, so um, how many squeak toys would you give this movie? I'm going to be honest. I'm just going to give it three. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I liked it. I would never say that I didn't like it. I thought that it played most everything very safe. Yeah. Um, I think a movie like The Grinch, where The Grinch is supposed to be kind of a despicable character throughout the most part, it should be a little more subversive, uh, okay. almost like Shrek. Yeah. Um, and I mean, like, and that's what the Jim Carrey one did great, because, you know, they gave the Jim Carrey Grinch pubes. You know that, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, like... You know, and that's like a family movie, and that's one of those things that you only get if you realize, oh, right around his crotch, the uh, the hair is a slightly different colored. Yeah. Um. So to me, I was kind of hoping it was gonna be something closer to that. This is it was more of a middle of the road kids movie to me, and I would have just liked to see it be something a little different. I agree. I'm also gonna give it three mm-hmm. squeaky dog toys. Um. I feel like it played it safe. I feel. It, it didn't choose... You know the original cartoon version? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the Chuck was, Jones one. Yes, which I love. Mm-hmm. It is to the story itself, and it sticks very true to the story. However, this one, I feel like the Grinch couldn't decide if it wanted to do the Doug Jones, or if it wanted Chuck to be... Chuck Jones. Chuck... Who did I say? Doug Jones. Oh, great creature actor. Um, Chuck Jones, or... And then it went on its own storyline, mm-hmm. which I liked this, that little storyline itself. I thought it was very heartwarming, but I actually found the Grinch the entire time an extremely sympathetic character, uh-huh. and I didn't feel like he earned his... I didn't feel like his heart was ever once was two sizes too small. Well, that's one of the things that I've heard people say about this movie is that they were like, you know, because... I mean, think about the Grinch song, like whether or not he's supposed to be a sympathetic character throughout or not. I mean, he definitely is at the end of the story. That's the whole point. Um, Yeah. But like spoilers. Yes. Spoilers. (laughs) Everybody knows. Um, But no, like so at the beginning of the movie, you're supposed to be like, oh, this is a hateful person. Yeah. And I heard somebody say like, you know, the original Grinch was a hateful person. You know, the Jim Carrey one was a was horrible. Yeah. This one was basically just an old queen who was rude to people in the supermarket. Yeah. So that's kind of how I how I felt about it. Now, the backstory for this. So this I don't think it's a spoiler, but possible spoiler um, is this Grinch was an orphan. Yeah, well, the Jim Carrey one was, too. Right. But they, a, but they overcomplicated the Jim Carrey one's backstory like crazy. Oh, I totally agree. Yeah. But this one, I mean, gosh, that orphanage in this movie is empty. Like, there's not even other kids there. There's not even adults there. Yeah. It's, it is, his story is extremely tragic, but it didn't make him hate. Like, um, it felt this. It felt like the Grinch was playing a game the whole time. Yeah, like it didn't feel like he was, like in the Jim Carrey one, for example. And it's been a while since I've seen the Chuck Jones one. Yeah, um, it's been a, it's and, been a little bit. And since I've read the story, so you know, 
product of my generation, my most of my memories from The Grinch are the Ron Howard, Jim Carrey version. Right. Um, but oh, where was I going with that? Um, you were talking about hate. Oh, all right. So. Right, so the Jim Carrey one, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, honestly, I think I'm just going to leave that in there. Let everybody know how Jordan's mind really works. <laughs> um, the Jim Carrey one, he was like the the townspeople knew he was there. Yes, uh, but they were just like, "Oh, it's just the Grinch. We never have anything to do with him." And he was literally a recluse. He was a recluse, but he's also an outcast. Right, like the whole town was very wary of him. And yeah, in this one, he was basically just the person who never trims his hedges in your neighborhood. Well, no one knew him except Mr. Like Wigglebottom, Wigglebottom. I can't remember his name. Oh, Keenan uh, Thompson was, Thompson, was yeah. a delight. Yeah. Keenan Thompson was the best part of this movie and the moose deer. But yes. <laughs> but they kind of made him almost to be closer to like Ebenezer Scrooge than the Grinch. Ooh. Because in. In yes. a Christmas, in a Christmas Carol, uh, I almost said a Christmas story. Uh, in <laughs> that's, a Christ- a diff- that's a different tale. Yes, it is. Uh, in a Christmas Carol, you know he has his he has his uh, nephew who's always trying to get him to come along and like and you know join the family for Christmas. And even though he realizes like, oh yeah, he's basically a miserable old man and he hates everybody. And I know he hates me, but he's my uncle. So I still try and keep a relationship and with him. And it's Christmas. Yes. And at Christmas you try. Yeah. And that, that's kind of what they did with the Grinch here because it always seemed like, oh, there's the Grinch. And like, you know, people see him in the grocery store and they're just like, oh, would you pass me that jar? And like, you know, he does something rude to them, but it w- they just kind of made the, the townspeople have a weird relationship with him, I thought. I agree, and it didn't. He didn't seem like a pariah, which was really, honestly, a little confusing to me, because he had all the stake and didn't like the who's, and they had no clue who he was. Mm-hmm. So when, uh, what I really like in the Jim Carrey version is Cindy Lou sees him and is terrified. Mm-hmm. She has to get over her own fear to to deal with him, and so in a way, it makes Cindy Lou even better yeah because cindy lou could have been so scared but in this one cindy lou who i loved yeah i loved and she was voiced by cameron sellers um have we seen her cameron sellers in anything before i am logging into imdb pro right now because that's what we do that's what we do but um yeah i I just felt that that was something missing. Um, what I thought this movie did really well is there was a lot of cause and effect mm-hmm. with everybody. So when he did something, when he made a groove in the snow, it affected, other, it affected the world around him, which was my problem with The Star is Born. It was so insular, right? Right. What I loved about this is that there was constant cause and effect with the world around him. With I just thought that was really great and very interactive. Mm-hmm. Um but I thought there was something missing with the townspeople not knowing who he was. It didn't make his hate stronger. Mm-hmm. If nothing else, it deflated the story a little bit, um, which I kind of was bummed out about, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and I'm looking up Cameron Sellers right now. It's Cameron Seeley, actually. Oh, Seeley. Oh, I think Cameron Sellers is a young lady I teach at the University of Central Arkansas. Well, this is another later night episode, guys, so we're kind of all over the place. Um, 
Oh, she's a young lady. Um, let's see. Oh, she's so cute. She's, oh, she's in The Greatest Showman. Showman. Huh. Mm-hmm. Showman, and she was in The Jim Gaffigan Show. Okay. Very cute. Well, was quite of a, quite a resume for such a young lady. Right. Um, so since we're talking about actors, let's talk about um, Benedict Cumberbatch, Cumberbund. Yeah, so I remember seeing, so I did a slight bit of IMDb, I didn't do as much as I normally do. Uh, I remember seeing Benedict Cumberbatch uh, cast as the Grinch, and I was like, oh, that makes sense, because every other version of the Grinch, he's been very, like, proper and evil. I mean, he was Vincent Price in the first one, I think. And then, oh, I love that. And then Jim Carrey definitely gives him that type of voice, too. I love, I wish I could be like, I could do Jim Carrey's like, hey, hey, hey. Yeah. It's so good. <laughs> but then Benedict Cumberbatch basically just comes out in like a plain Jane American voice. He's so dopey. Right. Like, but like, I remember thinking it's like, oh, they cast him because he kind of naturally has that voice and they're going to let him kind of have some fun with it. Uh, turns out he decided that since the rest of the cast was American, that uh, he should have an American accent as well. So it was weird. It was kind of like, you know... It's kind of like, you know, I'm going to hire Marlon Brando for this, and he's just going to be man-eating sandwich, you know? Right. And, yeah. And I... and I He's such a great actor to mm-hmm. me. Um, and I would say, out of squeaky toys, he's a four out of five squeaky toy. Um, but I didn't... He could have been anybody. Well, I think... I think the thing... That illustrates something that I kind of thought, and then I, I thought this, and then when I was doing my IMDb and Wikipedia and all that stuff, mm-hmm. I was kind of reading the general consensus, which most people were just like, the animation is good, it's fine, it adds nothing to the story. No. So, like to me, it's, it's such like a shame. Yeah, you have Benedict Cumberbatch there, and he, you have, you have him trying to hide him being Benedict Cumberbatch. Right. It it was just weird. It was weird. Um. However, uh, well, I'll do one more weird thing okay. and then go back to the things that I loved. Uh, Pharrell Williams, mm-hmm. um, I loved his narration, but I really wish the movie would have chosen narration or no narration. Yeah, it, it kind of did. It kind of did. I, I'm hesitant to even say this. Take a deep breath, everybody. Here we go. It kind of did a La La Land thing where La La Land forgot it was a musical halfway through. This forgot it was supposed to have narration halfway through. Jessica's eyes twitching. He broke me. Yeah, it's true though. Mm -hmm. And then, and then it. I think it came back at the end. Yeah, and that's but at the very end. Well, it did, and that's another thing though is that like, if you're gonna have Pharrell narrate this, and his narration was just lovely, right? But like. It, again, it sounded like they were trying to keep it as vanilla as possible. Yeah, why, and why keep it vanilla when your opening and your closing are kind of fun raps? Yeah. Like, you had awesome uh, hip-hop music. They, they played, like, th- like at least two Run-DMC Christmas songs in this, and yeah, I loved it. I loved it. <laughs> yeah. But then I got really confused because this thing was so vanilla. Like, at least put a little salted caramel sauce on the top. Well, and like, they, it was almost like they were directing him to keep his inflection as plain as possible. They made him as sympathetic as possible. But kids don't respond to that. And they also had his narration mixed weird. 
They did have it mixed. Yeah, it it was like almost like buried under everything else. Whenever you're, whenever you have narration, it needs to be like in your face, you know. Right. It it reminds me of um, oh gosh, who plays the narrator snowman? Uh, Leon Rathbone is it? Yes. Yeah. That to me is some perfect Christmas movie narration. Right, and I think Pharrell would be really good at doing something like that. I just don't understand why they mixed him that way and why yeah. they why they had him like. Okay, so I want you to take your personality and let's just squeeze it in the I middle. I mean, there was some some still in there. No, it it was. I thought his narration was lovely. It was just like, womp. Mm-hmm. It felt like someone lovely was reading me a story, but I didn't. It didn't transport me. Um, and one thing that I kept thinking when I was watching this is, "Gosh, I really miss whimsy." Mm-hmm. It had no whimsy. Yeah. For for a children's movie. Now, two things that I truly loved, and these are people again: Keenan Thompson, mm-hmm. he played Mister Bricklebaum. Yeah. I loved this character, and I loved. I and it. I wish this. I wish the Grinch was more hateful uh-huh. because Mr. Bricklebaum, him loving the Grinch despite his hatefulness, would have been even better. Yeah. If the Grinch had been saltier. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really loved his character, and yeah. I loved. Um, he was having a Christmas party, and his dog was was it Greta? Uh, Mabel. Mabel. Yeah. And his dog. He's like, my dog can ring a doorbell. That's awesome. Yeah. He, he was like. <laughs> Who taught Mabel how to ring the doorbell? That's awesome. <laughs> um, and I just thought, I just thought they didn't. I, I'm, and maybe Keenan Thompson is such a seasoned actor. Mm-hmm. And if I, if you can last this many seasons on Saturday Night Live, yeah. and still be you, and still like if he's if he has no joy in his heart, he hides it really well. Right. Um. I just don't think you could hide him. I don't think even a director was like, um, can we take it down two notches? That's still Keenan. He's a character actor. And that was so. Yeah. Well, and that was some great casting. And I, I really liked him in the movie. I did too. Um, you know, I thought, I, honestly, I thought they used him the perfect amount. Too. I did too. But yeah, that's something that where I will give the movie all the credit in the world for that. Yeah. I mean, I could have used a little more. Yeah, probably so. Just because I liked him so much. Well, and also because the rest of the movie was so, again, vanilla that, like, you know, it would have been worth injecting a little more energy in it, you know? I agree. Um, And last but not least, who I thought was lovely, was Rashida Jones. I was just about to say that. Good Lord, does that woman do anything wrong? I don't think so. I just don't think so. I genuinely don't think so. I My entire life's goal is to be in the same room and be intimidated by Rashida Jones. Girl, we know you listen. Yep. Um, she's, she's definitely someone that if I was ever able to be a director's assistant for, I, she's such a, a powerhouse and very clear in her storytelling. And for this, this was an overworked mom. Mm-hmm. And I hope to be able to talk to my kids one day, like Rashida Jones, Donna, Donna who, yeah. uh, talks to hers, even though being overworked and never sleeping, but 
I just Rashida Jones was it was just like listening to honey. Yeah, I mean, uh, she not only does Rashida Jones just have a fantastic voice. Uh, not only does she understand story, and even if you know, like obviously she didn't write this one. No, but like you know, you have to understand story to be able to perform story, and she performed it so well. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, you know my feelings on Rashida Jones. I will watch her in just about anything. Oh yeah, uh, and I. I was bummed that Pixar didn't treat her well because I would have loved to have seen what she did with Toy Story 4. Me too. Um, of course, I don't blame her for leaving, just everything I've heard. Appar- apparently, it wasn't a harassment thing with her. She just said that it that they didn't have a good culture for women and people of color. And Girl, that's, I... And, and good... I mean, can you imagine the spine it takes to be like, oh, Pixar? Yeah, they were acting like assholes. I'm, I can't even do that with the company I work for right now. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yes, Rashida Jones and Kenan Thompson, I think, were like the shining stars in this movie. I agree. And Cameron Seeley was lovely, too. Yes, she was. I thought she was such a lovely Cindy Who. Mm-hmm. And she had the right amount of precociousness. Y- yeah. You know how I am with, like, kids in movies? Yeah. Especially kids in movies who sing? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's my biggest problem with uh, the Jim Carrey Grinch is really the... Oh, where are you, Chris? Well, again, so I think I need to explain this, too. Can I find you? So the Jim Carrey Grinch came out before I ever even started playing music because I was a late bloomer when it comes to being a musician. Okay. Um, I remember walking through Opry Mills, which is... Oh, a, heavens to Betsy. A huge mall in Nashville... They took away our theme park and put yeah, in a mall. But literally, like, I mean, that there's no way to say that doesn't suck, but it's kind of impressive that they tore down a theme park and the mall takes up the entire place of the theme park. I mean, it's a crazy big mall. Yeah, but of course it's still a mall and you have to walk through it and it's kind of a nightmare. Yes. Uh, but I remember them playing the Celine Dion music video for Where Are You Christmas in there. <laughs> and I remember even as like a 13-year-old kid I would have been, uh, watching that. It was 2000, so yep. Yeah, and I was, I was like, this is like the most cynical thing I have ever seen. Like, mm. I didn't even know what cynical meant at that time. But you felt it. Yeah, and it, it was like, oh, this is the shameless cash grab. They're, tr- they're trying to Titanic this. Yeah. Um, and then, so I already had feelings about that. I, there were thoughts about that song before I even saw the movie. Okay. But also, like, you know, children singing in a professional environment maybe i'm just a little grinchy myself you are but like it just (laughs) weirds me out should should i tell the story that i'm about to tell i don't know which one it is but yes whenever we went to that one particular place in hollywood that that scares a lot of people and our families were scared that we went and did anything there oh hmm you might have to edit it a little bit okay so we went to the famous person center in Hollywood. <laughs> it's a very famous person, and they have a lot of really great workshops, but there's a message at the end of it. Yes. Uh, so it is, the, it is the famous person's center <laughs> right in the middle of Hollywood. Yes. Uh, you know, there's some science that goes on. There's some ology that goes on. <laughs> Um, we went there for a voiceover workshop because I was recording voiceovers. Jessica works as a voiceover artist too. Uh, so we went there and on our way in, we kind of got lost on the grounds because it is super easy to get lost. Oh yeah. And then we went to the smaller one. Yeah. It it's, but in there, it kind of looked like 
at Disney World whenever they had the Tower of Terror and it was designed to be like this big opulent like Hollywood hotel with yeah. like you know basically a jungle in the courtyard gotcha. it looked like that and we ended up in this room where there was this like 11 or 12 year old kid singing opera and it just creeped me out so bad because <laughs> like not only is it are we in the famous persons center in Hollywood <laughs> but it's also just like this 12-year-old kid in a tuxedo singing opera, and it made me super uncomfortable, and I didn't like it. I want you all to know what's also remarkable about this story. I have no recollection of that. Oh, it happened. None. I know. I totally believe you. I'm not calling you a liar. (laughs) I'm just saying I have... You could be like, Jessica, did that happen? And ask me details, and you know what? I I don't know. (laughs) I think that's the funniest... I think that's one of the funniest parts. Yeah. Um... So, so Jordan has a problem with children singing. I don't. <laughs> so, and I, I just loved, um, I don't know, the, also with the Jim Carrey, and granted it was live action, but there was texture to the movie. Mm-hmm. Like, I, like that Whoville, um, also, fun fact, so that was filmed on the Universal lot in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, Jim Carrey was in makeup for Hours I mean, and hours. That makeup still holds up great. I think it was Rick Baker who did that. I think so. Yeah. Now, um, and in the circus world, um, I actually know people who were who's yep. in that movie. And they said that the studio, because of all the makeup and everything, the studio actually was winter cold. Mm-hmm. Winter cold. And so they were all bundled up. And when they were like shivering, the Who's were actually cold. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently it was that icy and they would have to sit um, sit around heaters and blankets. Um, and Jim Carrey, he's very much in character the whole time. So everyone on that film doesn't really have good recollections of Jim Carrey because he was constantly um, the Grinch. Yeah. Um, and you could kind of feel that. And I just, I just kind of this, I have this wash of this movie, um, and we were actually in the theater um, at a weird time, and there was a couple kids in the theater, even mm-hmm. though we were there at a weird time. And yeah. I, when they walked in, I was actually like, "Straight, yes," because we're gonna laugh at things, and they're gonna laugh at things. Yeah, Jordan and I laughed more than the kids. Yeah, and I mean, to be fair, we were still just kind of chuckling. Well, and we chuckled, and there's really adorable things that this movie chose to do. Yeah, there's. It's so cute. Fred the Yak. Yes. Uh, Is he a yak? I'm going to call him a yak. I call him a moose deer. I mean, I think it's kind of like how they say it's roast beast. So like... And he had... He had the toupee on. Yes, he did. And his family had the toupee as well. They had all toupees. It was Mm -hmm. very cute. Yeah, it was the Mo Howard uh, (laughs) toupee. Yes. And there was lots of things in this movie that I kept being like, oh, that's cute. Oh, that's cute. Mm. Um, But I... There were... I don't know, the fact that the kids, you know, never the kids never went, oh no, or ugh, like yeah. there was never, kids like to go on a, a well, ride. I remember like when we went and saw Solo, uh, there was a kid There was a kid <gasps> in there. Losing and, his mind. Yeah, and he was reacting to everything and it made it great, you know? I mean, that, I, I still say Solo is a better movie than people give it credit for. Right, but, but that kid lost yeah. his mind and it was like the best part. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, guys, and all, all of you know that I beat it blue in the face is a theater experience can make or break a movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anchorman 2. There's no reason I shouldn't love that movie. We had a hor- horrible <clears throat> movie going experience. 
Mm-hmm. So I go back and I see like see the massive fight in the in the yard and I love it. Yeah. And I'm so disappointed that the movie experience ruined it. And so I got really excited that hoping, you know, I get really excited for the holiday season and I I feel like I have to work really hard to stay in the in the mm-hmm. in some sort of holiday cheer because life is really stressful <laughs> and this is the end of the year and for film professionals if you don't know what your next job is come January, it could be six months to your next job. And so this is tends to be a stressful time of year for me. So I really dig my heels in. Like our Christmas tree is up. We're getting ready for Hanukkah. The Christmas lights are on the house. Like I really dig my heels into it. So when those young ladies came in, I got a little excited. And the fact that they weren't full of joy from mm-hmm. watching a movie that was tailored for them, I was like, oh, yeah. So there, we're kind of approaching commercial time. Yes. Or break time, whatever we want to call break it. Break time. So there are a couple other things I want to mention. Okay. So did you have any real expectations going into this movie? Um, yes and no. Mm-hmm. No in the fact of like, I didn't see any commercials or anything like that. But something we talked about with The Predator is there's precedence and I do have expectations based upon other movies. Mm -hmm. So based upon the Grinches that I've seen, I was wondering what the spin is. There's always some sort of spin. Any child's movie is a moral tale. There's always a lesson. Kind of like how the Lorax, the spin was it was trying to sell you SUVs. Really? Yeah, don't you remember that? I don't remember that movie. So it was the Lorax, which is, you know, he's an environmentalist essentially. Right. Uh, voiced by Danny DeVito in this movie. Yes. And they literally had him uh, partnered with, I think, Jeep selling SUVs. Oh, that bums me out. So that's kind... The reason I ask is because that was my last real experience with the Dr. Seuss movie, and I always used to love the Lorax, so I I went into it a little hesitantly. Yeah. Well, the only precedence I had for this movie was the other ones I've seen. And I've read this book. My father was an avid Dr. Seuss reader. Um, And after my grandfather had his stroke, we read a lot of Dr. Seuss. That's how he learned to talk again. Mm -hmm. Um, So I had precedence in that, and I was excited to see Benedict Cumberbatch, thinking he was going to kind of be Sherlock Uh Holmesy. You know what I mean? Um, And I was also... I was excited for the spin, right? This is an old tale, so there's a new spin. So, yeah, I was a little disappointed. And as it was going on, um, yeah, I just kind of was like, oh, it's Uh, not, it didn't take me anywhere. Yeah, it turns out the spin of this one is that they put literally no spin on it whatsoever. Well, they did a little bit. A a little bit. Again, story wise, where I will give them all the credit is that they took the best parts of the Jim Carrey uh, background of the Grinch and they simplified it. Right, and that was nice. Yeah. Um, I expected this movie, again, to be a little more Shrek-like. Because, yeah. because one reason, too, is because one of the co-directors on it, who was also one of the producers, is a guy named Scott Mosier. Does that name sound familiar to you at all? It does, but I don't know why. Okay, Scott Mosier is the producer on, like, I think, like, the first five, at least, if not more, Kevin Smith movies. No way. Yeah, so like oh. all, all the all the New Jersey movies, like Dogma, Mallrats, yeah. things like that. Uh, that's Scott Mosier producing that. 
Um, I think he also directed a movie that's take that takes place in the Kevin Smith universe. Oh no okay. no no! What's he call it? The View Askew universe. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I th- so I think he's directed one of those movies as well. But like because of that, I expected it to be a little edgier. You know. Now that you say that, totally. Yeah, but what I think, I didn't read much on this, but I think he had to come in and finish the production. I think that there was uh, a problem with the uh, direct, because I think the other director was just supposed to do the whole thing. Gotcha. And I think that either there was He a, came in to take care of business. Yeah, there was either a problem with production or like, or they were running behind or something like that. And so he came in to help finish things up. Gotcha. So I also want to take this time to talk about music. Because we both had a very interesting reaction to the music in this movie. Agreed. So, first of all, like we said, they have a pretty solid soundtrack. Uh, Again, a children's movie that plays Run DMC in it, I'm just totally on board. Well, and it makes me excited because we're all, like, as a child, you're influenced. By the way, the dog of the podcast is now Charlie, and he is not getting enough head rubs, just so everybody knows. So, as you're listening, send virtual head rubs to the bear. Mm -hmm. Um... What was I saying? Uh-oh. Uh, so we were talking about Run DMC in a children's movie. Oh, we're so influenced by the music that we hear in these movies, and so it makes me excited. There's a whole generation that's going to listen to Christmas music by Run DMC. How cool is that? And they don't have to wait till they're old enough to watch Die Hard. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, and that was, there was really, but there were times that I felt like their song choices were big. Czar. Yeah, I didn't love the Tyler the Creator song at the end of the movie over the that they played over the closing credits. No, oh, I didn't love that as a closing credit song. Yeah, it it was it's, it seemed a little unfocused. Well, um, it it didn't. So I I mean the credits to me are still part of the movie, mm-hmm. and you ended on this really sweet note, and then it went straight into that particular rap, and it wasn't. It wasn't, it was a really slow rap. Yeah. And it was too rhymy. It was just... It, it, it sounded like they had to bleep out some swear words in it, too. Possibly, and so it was... I could be wrong on that. And but. I liked the song. Yeah. I just didn't think it was well-placed. Um, So the score, we both had a moment at the very end of it, because, you know, we were staying, we were watching the whole credits, and I was like, oh... You want- should, too. Yeah. I was like, I want to see who did the music for it. I thought, you know, I was thinking it's, uh, like, uh... You know, Harry Gregson Williams or Henry Jackman, not saying anything against those guys, but just like whenever they do children's movies, uh, a lot of the times they don't tend to do music that just really sticks out, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's the way this music felt. Then the name Danny Elfman came on screen. And both of us went, what? Yeah, because I'm a huge Danny Elfman fan. I am too, and I have personally worked with Danny Elfman. Yeah. And... I I literally went, where was the whimsy? That, and that's the thing. And that's another place where, kind of like with Benedict Cumberbatch and what I said with Pharrell, I think the same thing applied to the music, is that it was almost like he was directed to keep it, you know, like it definitely felt Christmassy, you know. It was very Christmassy, yeah. yes, agreed. But like, you know, and of course, whenever I think of Danny Elfman Christmas music, I want to hear the soundtrack to Batman Returns, you know, because I think Batman <laughs> Returns is a fantastic Christmas movie. Okay, that's fair. So, I'm, but I, I, I don't, I didn't expect that. But no, I was Danny Elfman. I also think Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah, I think, I think things that are drenched in theme. Yeah, and, and he's so good at that. And he. So there was one thing in there. So with Danny Elfman too, like, you know, he has this way of making melancholy palatable, you know? Oh, great way to put it. Um, 
and if you think about Nightmare Before Christmas, especially like even whenever it's just the music in between the songs, like you know there are a lot of like you know weird like you know minor chords and for the musician geeks uh, augmented and diminished stuff and like you know weird like you know snaky violin lines, um, and it works great. And with Danny Elfman's name on there, I would expect there to be something like that. He did something pretty interesting at the end, very end of the movie. Uh, you probably didn't catch this, but he probably ends not. it on a minor chord. Really? Which for non-musicians, major tends to be the happy chord, minor tends to be sad. Um, and it was a happy ending. Yeah. So And it worked really well. And that was the only time we're looking back on it. It's like, oh, that's a Danny Elfman thing to do. Uh-huh. But for the most part, it was like... It's almost like he was directed to take out a lot of his own personality, and that just really disappointed me, you know? That is disappointing. I don't think I... I don't think I realized that. Interesting. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah, I just kind of... I felt like this whole... This movie just didn't... Again, it it sounds like we're just complaining about this movie. It was fine. The movie was fine. There were moments of it that worked really well. Yes. I just wish that they had taken a stronger chance. I mean, you know, and we've done, we've done a, we've done like two kids movies on this podcast. We did The Incredibles yeah. 2 and we did Christopher Robin. Um, and like Incredibles 2, of course, you know, it's Pixar and, you know, they're, they're going to be swinging for the fences and even the things that we were like, oh yeah, that's predictable about Incredibles 2, like, you know, it didn't bother us about it. We had this conversation the other night, actually, and I'm going to remember to get back on track after this. <laughs> but we watched Coco, yes. which if you have not watched Coco, uh, like, I avoided watching Coco just because everybody's like, oh my God, you have to watch Coco. I'm like, right. all right, yeah, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. And I watched it and like- We lit- both lost our minds. At the end of that, Jessica looked at me and she's like, I really like that. And I like- I was trying to hold back tears the whole time, and eventually I was just like, I can't do it anymore. <laughs> it was so good. It was so good. But but we had this conversation because there's a plot twist in Coco that both of us kind of called out uh, pretty early on. But we've said this with many times with kids' movies. It's We as adults are supposed to know. Right, but the thing with Pixar specifically is that, to me, Pixar movies, they're not, they're not hinged solely on the story. To me... The parts of a Pixar movie, like the the whole is greater than the parts. And the parts yeah. are fantastic. But like to me, it doesn't matter if the story uh if the story uh is is like a little predictable or not like the most original thing in the world because yeah. everything else going on around it is so great and they make you feel good. Agreed. Um so, yeah, like, so going back to Pixar uh, and The Incredibles 2, yeah. you know, we both talked about how we kind of called the plot twist in The Incredibles 2. That doesn't yeah. bother us, though, because the <laughs> whole movie was great. With Christopher Robin, even though we thought that they could have gone even further, they were trying to do something different with it. Right. Uh, and especially from, like, a cinematography standpoint, you know, that was not shot like a children's movie. No. Nope. Uh, and I thought it was great. I wish they had I wish they had trusted their instincts a little more on that, but they played a little safe, you know? Yeah. With this one, I think that they they just went safe the whole way and it kinda disappointed me, even though I thought the movie was good. Yeah, that's fair. We need to take a break. Yes, let's take a quick break and we will be back talking about the Grinch and one of the weirdest parts about the Grinch too. Agreed. Yes. Alright, we'll be right back. Okay. 
Have you ever looked at all those Insta celebrities and been like, where do you get your raw jewelry because it's gorgeous? Or where did you get that female empowerment shirt because I need one? But then you think to yourself, I don't wanna go shopping because it's too selfish. What if I could tell you, you could get awesome apparel, awesome jewelry, and it gives back. You need to check out Rocks Jewelry Shop. That's right, Rocks, R-O-X. Rocks Jewelry Shop has amazing jewelry and I just got a shirt that says, those females are strong as hell. Thank you, Kimmy Schmidt. You can check out Rocks Jewelry Shop online and with code date night, you'll get 15% off. So head on over to Rocks, R-O-X, jewelryshop.com, code date night for 15% off. Hi everyone and welcome back to Jordan and Jessica breaking down another children's movie as two grown adults. I I always go back to the Meg on movies like this, which is like, maybe we're just overthinking it. (laughs) (laughs) I think it actually should be date night at the movies or maybe we're just overthinking it. Maybe that'll be like the season two subtitle or something like that. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, I think the subtitle has lasted as long as it has so far because, like, we just say it once, we make fun of it, we move on, and it hasn't given an opportunity to get old. I actually, I'm glad that you stopped making that are you tired of it yet joke. Yeah. Because, like, it's great. Well, all right then. Just like leave it be. It's great. Okay. And it's we're more interesting. I just because I was the one who came up with that, I just assumed that it wasn't any good. Hollywood types, man. Yeah. So, um, welcome back, and we are still talking, chatting, talking um, about The Grinch, Illuminations, um, Pixar's The Grinch. It's not Pixar. It's not Pixar, just Illumination. Just Illumination. Illumination. Um, So, we have rated this in Squeaky Dog Toys. We've talked kind of how the music was a little weird, but we loved it in and of itself, um, and this is a grand retelling of a story that most of us know all too well, and that I wish, because it was a story we knew all too well, I wish they hadn't played it so safe for a remake after a movie that 18 years ago was quite fantastic. Yeah. And when they went back to animation, I don't understand and I don't understand the perspective of going back to an unsafe place especially because the un the original animation was like really told the story and was real I mean was really short because it's Mm -hmm. literally the telling of the book um and I don't understand maybe where the was it fear? Was it concern? Was it trying to keep PC? But they also made a music choice that music choices that were far from PC. There was and non inclusive. There was a music choice in this movie that literally sent me down a rabbit hole of Jordan's neuroses. Share. Are we ready to go there yet? I think so. So as you all know, the first part of the podcast is designed for you to listen to on the way to your movie, and this is designed to listen on the way back from the movie. Yeah. Um, Or just while you're on the treadmill. Hi. Work hard. You're doing a great job. You're so attractive and smart, and you should be proud of yourself. And even if you're just sitting and listening to this, you're smart, you're loved, you was kind, you was smart, and you was important. That being said... 
Okay. There's a part in this movie that I felt for a child watching this was extremely non-inclusive and unfair and can be argued is the reason for this season, but I also didn't think it was good song placement anyway. Here, so, Here go. All right, so Tag your what I was going to say is this is basically, the this episode is basically the anti-Widows because Widows, we had to keep skirting around like the plot twists and everything like that. Well, Widows was so entwined. Right. Which this, if you haven't seen that yet, if you're listening to this, it's actually still in theaters um, and it's tremendous, but yeah. we had to... But where, where I was going with that, though, yeah, I'm ready. Is that uh, is that this movie? Like, if you don't know how the Grinch goes, then it's not our fault. So <laughs> yes, at this point, again, the Jim Carrey movie is twenty years old. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I'm trying to see if I can remember which one it was. Um, All right, no, uh, uh, I thought it was them too. Calm down. It was Pentatonix. I know Jordan has a really hate for Pentatonix. How did you not know that? Uh, I mean, I thought it was. Oh, I, I laughed the whole time. So we just had uh, American Thanksgiving, and Jordan, we played holiday music, much to Jordan's chagrin. I don't tend to get to hear that so he had to put up with me um so he's not a huge fan of pentatonix and did skip over multiple times well here's the thing is that i think pentatonix are very talented and they definitely give their audience exactly what they want oh they're incredible yeah they're incredible i'm just tired of hearing them I get tired of their music videos and I get tired of everybody's aunts telling me, like tagging me in whenever there's a new Pentatonix thing up because it's like, you're a musician, you must love this. No, music is very subjective. My dad, who was a piano player, uh, a gospel piano player, and uh, something in Southern Gospel is that they'll do like a lot of times, they'll because it's four-part harmony, they'll do an acapella, right. which is sans instruments. It's just voices. And my dad's joke, my dad's joke on stage was always acapella, which is Latin for of the devil. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, I thought it was pentatonix, and it they just every the pentatonix culture bothers me more than pentatonix does. But we're gonna be gone with that. The whole reason I brought this up is that it's a it's their cover of God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen, which is weird because. They're Who's, if I'm remembering correctly, Who's, Whoville is on a snowflake. Or like... Oh, yeah. Or like in Dr. Seuss, because I know the Who's are in a few different Dr. Seuss books, but they're yes. always like not necessarily like a part of our world. Like they're tiny... Well, it's its own thing. Yeah. So they're tiny creatures. But in God Rescue Mary Gentlemen, like there's, they literally keep in there and it's right in front of you, you know, uh, Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day. Which God you rest know. ye merry gentlemen, remember Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day. Yes. This is how I sing most Christmas songs. Mm-hmm. Um, in my family, uh, growing up, we would be like, oh, Christmas tree, oh, Christmas tree, how lovely are thy branches. None of us know any words to any songs. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the reasons I have problems with Christmas music. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so where this caught both Jessica and I is that A, like, you know, 
Yeah, it's a Christmas movie, and it takes place at Christmas. And Christmas is a religious holiday for Christians. That that is the accepted history of it. We're not going to go into the whole the whole that's why a we, that's a different podcast. Yeah, you guys can you guys can listen to uh, you guys can listen to Bill Maher at some point if you want, and that that's fine. I won't be. Uh, but you know, it's like yes, you accept the fact that even though. Christmas does have a secular aspect to it, and like you know, everybody should be able to celebrate Christmas however they want. Agreed. Um, but you accept the fact that there is going to be like some religious Jesus stuff in there, which again is fine. It's just odd that a movie like this chose to put that in, in your face. And here's what it did to me. I'm ready. So this is where the spiral happened because I was like, wait, does that mean that the Who's have quote unquote savable souls? And if they're Christians in Whoville, are there Muslim Who's? Are there Jewish Who's? Are there Hindu Who's? Do the Who's have their own version of Jimmy Swaggart? Is there a version? Is there a version of Whoville where they went to the movie theater and saw Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom and they saw one Who rip out the other Who's heart in a weird cult religious ceremony? You know, is there religious extremism in Whoville? Does that mean that 9/11 happened in Whoville? And, the, and oh, like, oh wow, yeah, this is a. Oh, this is a spiral. Yeah, it literally sent me into that spiral. And oh, mercy. Wow. The Grinch! <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, I had a more simplified reaction to it. Oh, okay. My reaction was um, the base of Christianity, um, this being... But for modern Christian standards, um, Christmas was first happening in Rome um, and during some ideology changes in Rome, and they wanted everyone to celebrate, so they've reappropriated the holiday. Um, so Christmas is wildly understood as the birth of Christ. Mm -hmm. This is acceptable and reasonable and worth celebrating. However, for the young people who are watching this, who want to be included, um, and for those who maybe don't understand why others, I, I just felt like Christmas was all of a sudden, the, the reason for this story, and I'm having a hard time wording, like really forming this, but the whole reason of this story is that Christmas isn't about presents, it's not about gifts, it's about the people you love and being with them and that's in your heart. Christmas is in your heart. And I feel like a lot of people celebrate Santa Claus and immediately were excluded from this film by this by this song placement. And it was directed it was directed at the Grinch when he was extremely vulnerable. He went to the town to get groceries and he was accosted by this song. It wasn't like they just sang it and it was he passed it and they were singing it. He was accosted by this song. That's actually a really good point. Is that this song in particular? And and again, like you know, even even for a lot of people who I know who celebrate the more the Christian aspects of Christmas. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know anybody who has a problem with like a Jewish person celebrating Christmas no. or an atheist celebrating Christmas. But in something like this, I see the point that you're making is that they took a very religious song that has one meaning and 
tried to force it down this character's throat who wasn't on board with the rest of the town. And I had a problem with that. Yeah, man, my rabbit hole went in a much different direction than yours. But it hurt my feelings because I don't know if the young ladies in front of me believe that. Mm -hmm. I don't know how they're being raised, but if they're being raised to be wonderful people, you know, I, I also don't think it's fair... As someone who identifies in a similar manner, I, I, I really don't appreciate that song being used to attack a character that we want to be better. Yeah. And I really just don't like that. If they had used jingle bells, right? And it was just like all these jingling noises and jingle bells and jingle bells and make jingle bells into like this horror movie and, for a second. And there are so many oh. annoying Christmas carols. Yes. Why not do that with Good King Wenceslas? Oh my gosh! Yeah, there. Yeah, like, and again, if we want to be cynical about it and probably write about it too, they just did that so that way Pentatonix could get a song placement, but, and that but, was also Pentatonix being forced down my throat again. Right, <laughs> that's your personal problem. <laughs> yeah, but and but Pentatonix could have sang Jingle Bells. Pentatonix could have sing sang Here Comes Santa Claus, like. I liked the sequencing and I got the, the story, but I really just thought it was really inappropriate and not inclusive, and and it also was not a good use of that song. From a story standpoint, they should have done Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Why so? Because he, you know, the Grinch, and this is a version of the Grinch who has never seen the other two versions of the Grinch, mm-hmm. so he doesn't know, oh, I have to turn my dog into a reindeer at the end of this. So it should have been one of those things. It's like they want to sing about reindeers. I'll give them a reindeer. Right, and then they get the moose deer. Yeah, and then I they like get the, the dog deer. deer. Yeah, Fred, Fred the moose deer was yeah. great. Yeah, um, I loved Max in this story. Mm-hmm. They they definitely because Max has always kind of been the like besides Cindy Lou Who he's always been the moral compass of the yeah, story. Yeah, but he's also but in the past he's just been a dog. Dog, mm-hmm. dog, 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 dog. But Max in this one really had an opinion and a life. To, of his own. Um, he, Max also seemed to understand that, like, oh, the Grinch is kind of a douche, but, like, I like him. And But he's mine. Yeah. He's my he's my papa. And he kind of reminded me of Charlie, in a way, mm-hmm. because Charlie is so, like, people-like yeah. until he sees a stick. Mm-hmm. And then he's totally a dog for, like, Ten minutes, he's a total dog, and I loved, I just loved Max. There Um, there was a moment in this movie that was basically us getting ready to go to bed. Uh, Because (laughs) there's a moment in the movie where the Grinch is going to let Max sleep in his bed. With puppy dog eyes. Yeah, and then he's going to let Fred the moose deer uh, sleep in the bed as well. Max curls up basically on the pillow, which is what Charlie does, and then Fred the Moose Dog gets in there and is just like, bull in a china shop, I'm laying wherever I want. I which love is, it. It's exactly what Madison does. I know. Mm-hmm. It was so sweet. It was It was great. Um, and I will say this movie was dead on with a few things. Um, this movie was dead on when the Grinch came to the Christmas party at the end. And he was just welcomed. Mm-hmm. There was no talk about what he did. He was just welcomed, and I thought that, and again, like, like I usually say, just about every children's movie, even Shrek, is a moral is a moral story, right? Shrek is absolutely a, a morality oh, yeah. story. Yeah, but they're all morality stories. That's right. the whole point of a children's movie, right? We're teaching. Yeah. They're, they're there to teach. So 
I thought that was a beautiful lesson. If anybody, by the way, has any examples of children's movies that don't teach a lesson, I want to know about those too. Right? What the crap? Yeah. Um, and I loved that, and I loved the very end because Jordan and I are in a point in our lives right now where we're like, get, like everybody, we don't need presents. Let's not get like because present buying to me is you want to get the right thing, and if someone spends more money than you, you feel bad, and someone gets you a gift and you go, oh my god, I, I didn't, I didn't get something, or I didn't bake enough cookies, right? There's this guilt that's inherently in there, but. One thing that just warmed my heart to its very core was at the end, the Grinch gives Max a squeaky toy. Mm-hmm. And he watches Max light up at this toy, right? Yeah. And I was just reminded that there's all this stress in buying people presents. Like, I have such stress buying you a present right now. <laughs> it's like, like I'm like losing sleep. So I, I wish you just wouldn't buy a present. Oh, right, but here's the moral of the story. Okay. Because how many times have you given something to someone and they open it and they light up? Mm-hmm. Whether we need it or not, it's kind of magical for someone to open something and you kind of give them even more information of what it is. Mm-hmm. And just to see people light up. And I have an, and another story. So my dad is the Grinch. My dad is the Grinch, and he he hated putting up the Christmas tree. He hates going to the attic to get all that <laughs> crap down, and he my my father's not an empath, um, but he's one of the kindest souls you'll ever meet. But he really never ever wants to hear thank you because he can't deal with that. He, he's he's like a, such a soft hearted human being, but he will not let you know that. And so you proceed to tell all of our listeners your dad's secret. Uh, he's the best. My dad's the best. <laughs> and I love him dearly. And I hope he listens to this one day and he knows that he's my Grinch. And I will always be his Cindy Lou to make sure he gets lots of cookies every year. But one thing that reminds me, what, what I, I identify with... Max getting a squeaky toy so inherently is you remember that year that my we got painted our friend Stuart Nicole Davis are incredible artists um, and teachers and EMTs and they're just incredible people they painted my family's coat of arms mm-hmm. onto canvas and it was so hard to keep it a secret and they dropped it off Christmas Eve on their way out of town and we hung it in my parents house and the next morning, we pulled a Christmas story. You know in a Christmas story where Ralphie finds the gun in the corner? Mm-hmm. And we did that with my dad. And he didn't see it all Christmas Day. And then later on that morning, we go, oh, my, what? Is there another present back there? And he peeked around, and my father burst into tears. Mm-hmm. And there is something to be said about really stressing over the right present. Yeah. Because we didn't just stress us out. It stressed our friends out getting it right. Mm-hmm. But it's something that hangs on their wall to this day. And so I feel like this movie did a lot of the right things. But as pure entertainment, I would say go watch the other two. Yeah. This one didn't add whimsy. It didn't make me feel more in the Christmas spirit. But the last the last few scenes are just lovely. But I didn't feel like the juice was worth the squeeze. No, I think that overall, like if you, if you watch this movie, you're probably going to enjoy it. 
Yes. But you are not going to get anything out of this movie that you don't in other versions. Now, yes. And, like, even though there were parts of it that we said we really liked, you know, there were scenes that we really Absolutely. liked. Absolutely. You know, Rashida Jones and Kenan Thompson being, like, the two MVPs in this movie. Uh, and they're great in it. But story-wise, you know, like, you've read the, you've read the book. Right. You've seen the cartoon. You've seen the Jim Carrey one. This one was just a big missed opportunity. Yeah. And, you know, they made a good movie, and that is hard to do, especially on something that takes as long to do as animation. Oh, my goodness. But, so, like, you know, you give them all the credit in the world for that, and I want to see this movie be successful because of it. Oh, absolutely. But, like, it's just a missed opportunity that they could have done something different, and they just chose to play it. And you know, it's a you know what it story. is? story. So, this is... So... This is Minions. Oh. And it's, I mean, it's done by Illumination, but like, you know, the Despicable Despicable Me movies are great. They're great. And like, they have, they have like morals to them and things like that. I love the Despicable Me movies. This is just, this is Minions. This is another movie that they put out there and, you know, it's going to make their money. Well, Minions was full of false history, which I do not accept. mm Mm-hmm. It was just not an acceptable line of storytelling, right? Because children are imprintable. And so if you're going to tell a story about history, go watch John Leguizamo's. Like, mm-hmm. don't waste your time on watching, letting your kids watch that because that was a disgrace. Yeah. And, and, yeah. This, and this movie is better than Minions, but like it's, it's a, a, it is a safe animated holiday movie that you can put on. For your kids while you go spike your drink in the kitchen. Here's something I will say. Um, If you need a safe, lovely, non-inflicting, non-harm inflicting date with your kid to the movies, go. This will be no harm, no foul. Right. Uh, It is a bummer as an adult seeing it because there's not the Shrek aspect of it. There's not the Jim Carrey overacting, super fun, what on earth, what a crazy backstory. It didn't just it doesn't take you on adventure, but if you want to just watch your kids maybe watch The Grinch for the first time, this is totally acceptable. But Absolutely. then I think you should watch the second two other two when you get home. Yeah. Um yeah, I don't see us necessarily going back to this one on our own accord. But if somebody, if we were, like we always say, if we were at a party or like we were at somebody's house and they had to put a movie on for their kids and they were like, okay, we're going to put on The Grinch. Does anybody have a problem with that? I'd be like, oh, absolutely not. No, go watch it. And then I'd be like, um, actually, we should just go, here's money and rent the, the Jim Carrey version. Yeah. <laughs> well, but here's the thing. The Jim Carrey version is so like whiplash distracting as well that it's mm. hard to put on in the background. Fair enough. This is a Grinch movie you can put on in the background. Yeah. What I did love that they kept in this movie, and that's one of my favorite parts of the Grinch, he's like, um, he's an inventor. Mm-hmm. And they never talk about it. And I don't know how it became part of the Grinch canon. Yeah. But like... Um, I loved, so Cindy Lou's wish in this is my mommy works so hard for us. I want help for my mommy. I want something good for my mommy. And for a minute, it looks like, oh, there's not going to be any solution because the Grinch isn't going to become her new daddy. Like that's too weird. I was wondering if they were going to go down that I got a little worried. Um, But at the, in the closing credits, um, he's actually, he 
does all of his inventions to help her around the house Mm -hmm. and it cooks and it cleans and it just helps her around the house because a big part of the movie is her just trying to feed everybody. Yeah. And so I thought that was really endearing and I kind of wish it had, it was something that if he was that cool of an inventor, we could have seen more of. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we've seen that in other films. Um, him making things yeah. and he was such an inventor and him even robbing the houses was so inventive. He did like these ninja stars that wrap the tree up mm-hmm. and I wish there had been even a montage of him making all of that Yeah, and really how smart and maniacal and crazy the Grinch was would have been so fun to watch. Yeah. But we didn't get to see anything that made the Grinch really interesting and it was just somebody who was extremely lonely. And, um, yeah, it just, it just kind of was like, oh, okay. Just because we don't do many kids' movies on here, uh, and I know we have one listener in particular who has asked us to do uh, kids' movies. We're trying. We're trying to be better. Yes. Uh, what are just a few of your favorite kids' movies that even, like, you as an adult can go back to? Oh, my gosh. The Princess Bride. Mm-hmm. Um, are we just talking holiday, though? No, no, no. Gosh, The Princess Bride, Drop Dead Fred. I wouldn't say that's a kid's movie. I watched it as a kid. We watched it as a kid. That is not a kid's movie. Oh, is it not? No. Okay, okay, never mind. That's kind of like, I would almost say The Goonies, but The Goonies definitely has, like, you have to be a certain age to to not be be terrified of it. Yeah. Um, Labyrinth. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually watched Labyrinth for the first time. I was in elementary school, and it was at Christmas. Yeah. Because it's such a whimsical fantasy movie. Yeah. I actually, um, I watched Labyrinth and Star Wars all in the same Christmas. Uh-huh. So I, in like deep, deep down, I think Star Wars is a kid's movie. But it is, it is a kid's movie. Yeah, Star Wars is basically a kid's movie. It's a kid's movie. Um, it's like The Princess Bride. That could be a kid's movie, but I almost don't consider that a kid's movie. No. Not the way that I don't consider Drop Dead Fred a kid's movie. Oh, I watched that as a kid. Yeah. It went over my head. Um, Shrek. Mm-hmm. Interject as you think of them. Uh, so the few that I was thinking of, uh-huh. Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Oh, yeah. And that's a great... Rewatch that as an adult. Yeah. Here's here's the thing. Well, first of all, Who Framed Roger Rabbit is the third Chinatown movie, just so you guys know. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, that one, like you can almost say like my reaction to Drop Dead Fred for Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Because I remember we watched that when we were dating. Uh-huh. We were like 17 years old. And I went back home afterwards and I was like... Mom, how could you let me watch this movie when I was a kid? And she's like, the thing about that movie is that all the stuff that's the, that like was most inappropriate for you at four years old, you were never going to understand anyway. No, and Who Framed Roger Rabbit is a tale of how uh, General Motors bought out all the trolley cars to profit off a of big business and mm-hmm. and take and make an interstate system that has ruined Los Angeles. Yeah, so. It's an it's a phenomenal movie. Uh-huh. Uh, so yeah, Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Um, the Jim Carrey series of unfortunate events. Oh great! That's it's... probably one of my favorites. Yes. Um, would you consider Tintin a oh, children's movie? Hands down. Because Tintin has some like darker moments. But it's to- but that's the thing about a kids movie. It it shouldn't avoid darker moments, right? right? Because we're also teaching kids how to handle darker moments and especially if you see Tintin uh-huh. handle it and come out victorious yeah things can get scary but what's so great about a kids movie and what's so disappointing about the Grinch is things can get really scary but you can overcome it mm-hmm. 
right? That's why we watch movies. We learn to be braver. I watch, I watch Walter Mitty because it reminds me I can be brave mm-hmm. and I can make big choices. Yeah. Like I watch that movie for that. It's my adult kids movie. You know what kids movie I always associate with Christmas? And I think it's because I think it came out at Christmas, but I think we watched, we saw it at Christmas time. Which one? Uh, Beauty and the Beast. Oh, love. The, the cartoon. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, as far as Christmas for kids, Arthur Christmas. Arthur Christmas is probably like we actually legitimately watch that one. And our every friends year. Mary and Anthony Delongis watch it every year. Yeah. Uh, Anthony Delongis is a whip master and a sword master. He taught Harrison Ford uh, the whip work for Indiana Jones. Yeah, for Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Uh, yep, and yeah. um, and Michelle Pfeiffer for Batman. Yeah, Batman Returns. Yeah. Um, anywho, they watch Arthur Christmas every year because mm-hmm. it's great. Yeah. Uh, I mean. Christmas story, of course. Oh my gosh, you look like a pink nightmare. Yeah. Um, It's funny talking to my friend Joel Silberman, who we really need to have Joel on here sometime. Yes, I agree. But uh, Joel is Jewish, and I was talking about something with him once, and I was like, you know, Christmas story, I mean, you know how that is, it's always playing in the background, he's like, not in my house. I'm (laughs) like, oh yeah, it wouldn't for you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But... uh, yeah, what what else do we watch? Are are there can you think of any Christmas movies that you just don't like? That I don't like. Yeah, just off the top of your head. Um, White Christmas. Uh I don't remember White oh, Christmas. I remember Holiday Inn. I mean that I mean Holiday Inn. Yeah. I don't like Holiday if Inn. If you watch Holiday Inn, watch the version they play on Turner Classic Movies because they take out the Something blackface Something that's very song. bad. Yeah. Um, it's very bad. Yeah. Um, I can't really... Um, you know another one that I really love? What? The Santa Claus. Santa Claus is a good one. Um, Tim Allen notwithstanding. Um, the Santa Claus... And even the Santa Claus 2 doesn't make me mad. No, I've never seen the third one. I have. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. Stick with the first. Um... You know what I'm not crazy about? Hmm. Scrooged. I like Scrooged, but I uh, know why you don't. I am fine with Scrooged up until you can tell that they never wrote an ending to the movie, and it just ends with Bill Murray improvising in the studio and starts singing, and it's just weird. That's fair. It is a weird movie, though. Mm-hmm. Um, the last thing that I will leave our listeners with, if you're still with us, um, especially if you're here in America... Um, and I don't, if you're our European friends, which hello, happy holidays to you too. Um, if you have, it's a wonderful life, mm-hmm. which is another great kids movie actually. Yeah. Cause you get to see the kids in it and you get to, you know, it's such a good movie, but it's a wonderful life. Ugh. It's a wonderful life as a radio play. Do yourself a favor, and, and and our European friends, see if any American theaters, if you don't have something cl- in nearby you, um, I know that one of the the American rep in Chicago did this radio play, and you could listen to it on the radio. And if you can go to one, it's worth every penny to go to this radio play, and they're like in front of a microphone, and they're doing the whole story, and act you know it's only a few actors and they play multiple roles and but there's a live foley artist Mm -hmm. in it and it's a radio play and you can watch it and uh when i've seen it in the past everyone's beautifully costumed and it's still acted but it's a radio play um it's one of my favorite things to do in the holidays 
Um, if you're here in Atlanta, go to Dad's Garage um, Invasion, um, A Christmas Carol. It is most. It is a scripted show with an improv twist. And if you have an invasion uh, near you, I highly recommend it. It gets me in. It makes me feel so holiday-y. It's so fun to me. So those are two of my favorite things to do. Um, Dad's Garage, not kid friendly. But it's a wonderful life, um, especially those who are able, kiddos who are a little older to sit in a theater. It's quite magical because the Foley artist is super mm-hmm. fun to watch. One thing I'll say about It's a Wonderful Life is that I didn't watch it for years yeah. just because I expected it to be like Miracle on 34th Street, which, you know, I just never really got into, you know? Um, if you are like me and haven't watched It's a Wonderful Life because you don't think it's going to interest you, just so you know... It's basically an episode of the Twilight Zone, so watch it. It's great. It's so good. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah, it is It is not like the schmaltzy Christmas movie that everybody thinks of. Like, that movie gets dark and head-twisty fast. And it earns its ending. It That is a movie that a thousand percent earns its ending. It earns its you ending. know why that movie is so famous, by the way. Why? So that movie bombed when it came out. Oh. And it, was, it got terrible reviews. Nobody really saw it. Okay. Um, but... It ended up in the public domain very fast, I believe. Either that, or some, or somebody just bought it cheap, kind of like what Ted Turner did with Shawshank Redemption. Right. So, so they started playing that every Christmas because they could afford to, because it was so cheap. Right. And over time, it found its audience. It found its audience about twenty years too late, but it found it. But that's all that matters. I mean, and that's why we make movies. Mm-hmm. It may not hit somebody at the moment, but. You yeah. never know when it will. Yeah. And it's an opportunity for our, our art to live forever. Yeah. Um, well, this is the beginning of the holiday season, so let's wrap this up because we have a lot more holiday to go. We are basically going to be trying to do like a couple of movies every week. and or not. We're not going to be releasing a couple of episodes every week, but basically we're going to get back to the point whenever we first started the podcast and I had like things banked and it's like, Mission Impossible is already out on Blu-ray and we still haven't released that no, yet. No, we got it. So, um, but thank you to all of you who are listening. Um, we love having you. Thank you for all of you who've left reviews. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. Um, friendly reminder, you can follow us on Instagram at Date Night at the Movies and our Facebook page, Date Night at the Movies or How I Spent My Babysitter Money. We love, love, love the messages that we've been getting. Mm-hmm. We love those of you who post on our, our page. We love talking movies with you. So please don't hesitate to do that because it is something that like we'll like Jordan has run up from the theater being like, did you get the message? Did you get that message? So <laughs> um, we truly love talking to you and thank you so much for making, um, you know, we've not been doing this terribly long and we, it makes us look forward to get in the studio and, and share this with you and, and share movies with you. Yeah. And you know, I've been, I keep an eye out on like, you know, how many downloads we get every day and the demographics and everything. And I think it's so cool that we have, you know, that we have listeners in Europe. We have listeners in Australia. I think we have a few in Asia too. Oh, hi guys. Um, and I love the fact that like, you know, we have, as many people as we do, and we're actually surprised at how many people are already listening to this. It's yes. pretty great. Yes. Uh, and the fact that like we're getting people who are consistently listening to this, and you know, people who are actually leaving us messages and everything too. You know, you know, I know it always sounds like we're just trying to you know harvest for clicks and likes and reviews and things like that, but really, we just love hearing back from you guys. Agreed. And it makes us feel so good to know that we're doing something right. So yeah. I will be as selfish as I want to be, and I. <laughs> 
I will say that you guys are making me feel good. Yes, thank you. <laughs> and um, with the holidays around the corner, please keep an eye out on our social media because our wonderful sponsors give us really great deals. Mm -hmm. So please don't miss those deals. Um, they are there for our listeners and thank you so much to our sponsors. So keep an eye. That's also why we really encourage you to follow because sometimes, um, our podcast gets out too late to use those deals. Mm -hmm. Um, especially here in America with all the Christmas deals that go on. I don't know. Do y'all, do you guys in Europe have like all these crazy things that happen? And like, uh, I know like a uh, spitfire audio who I get a lot, do a lot of virtual instruments uh -huh. from, uh, they have the black weekend sales. Oh, so okay. I think that, I think that like, you know, American Thanksgiving is American Thanksgiving, but I think Black Friday has kind of become an accepted like worldwide Earthware? business thing. Yeah, that's awesome. But Black Slash Friday terrible. and Cider Monday, Cy Cyber. Cyber Monday. I would love Cider Monday. I love cider. Yeah. All um, right. Charlie is groaning at us hardcore, so oh, let's go on ahead and wrap this up. So happy kickoff to the holiday season, everyone! Uh, thank you for listening to this episode of The Grinch, and we'll leave you with this. <laughs> 10,000 feet up, up the side of Mount Crumpet, he stood with his load to the tip-top to dump it. Poo-poo to the who's, he was grinchily humming. They're finding out now that no Christmas is coming. They're just waking up. I know just what they'll do. Their mouths will hang open a minute or two. Then the who's down in Whoville will all cry, boo-hoo. That's a noise, grinned the Grinch, that I simply must hear. He paused, and the Grinch put a hand to his ear. And he did hear a sound rising over the snow. It started in low, then it started to grow. But this sound wasn't sad. Why, this sound sounded glad. Every who down in Whoville, the tall and the small, was singing without any presence at all. He hadn't stopped Christmas from coming. It came. Somehow or other, it came just the same. And the Grinch, with his Grinch feet ice cold in the snow, stood puzzling and puzzling. How could it be so? It came without ribbons. It came without tags. It came without packages, boxes, or bags. He puzzled and puzzled till his puzzler was sore. Then the Grinch thought of something he hadn't before. Maybe Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more. And what happened then? Well, in Whoville, they say, that the Grinch's small heart grew three sizes that day. And then the true meaning of Christmas came through, and the Grinch found the strength of ten Grinches plus two. <laughs> <laughs>